My name is Charles Iacono, and I am the president and CEO of the Green Beret Foundation. So what inspired you to get involved with the nonprofit sector? That's a great question. Um, I was finishing up grad school, specifically business school, and I had the uh, distinct pleasure of meeting at the time the senior vice president of advancement and strategic partnerships at JW. And he asked me what my plans were after business school. And I said, you know, I was going to follow the track of just about every other MBA candidate and head to New York City and work in finance. And he looked at me and said, why would you ever want to do that? Uh, and I kind of chuckled. I said, all right, you know, I'll bite. What do you got? And he asked the question. This was Vince Saley at the time, uh, who, who I'm still very close with till this day. Um, he said, have you ever thought about a career in the nonprofit marketplace, you know, fundraising, building strong nonprofit organizations, raising capital for their campaigns and other endowment initiatives? I said, oh, that's interesting. And so uh, to make a long story short, he introduced me to a couple of different people that he had worked with over the years. And I ended up taking a job with an incredible firm called CCS Fundraising, which is uh, one of the largest fundraising firms in the globe. We specialize in capital campaigns, fundraising initiatives, endowment campaigns. Uh, so I served as a consultant uh, in my first experience in the nonprofit space after I spent some time in government. Um, and then after spending some time with CCS, moved in in-house and just kind of fell in love with the ability to work for different communities and be, uh, be exposed to really incredible uh, groups of individuals who are working to try to make the world a better place. So how did you get involved with the Green Beret Foundation? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's funny. So at the time I was working for the USO, which is its formal uh, organization's name is the United Services Organization. They're one of the largest uh, and oldest uh, military uh, service organizations in our country. It dates back to the Second World War. And when I joined the USO, like any good nonprofit professional or fundraising executive, I started to do some research to see what other organizations were out there, what what ones were doing things great, uh, you know, what, what institutions or organizations were doing some unique things. And I stumbled across the Green Beret Foundation um, and their new website that they had just recently launched. And I saw that they had an e-commerce shop and that was a big thing and still is a big thing in the MSO, VSO nonprofit space. Um, and I wanted to see how the organization engaged with somebody that had no prior connection. Uh, so I bought something off the commerce shop. It was actually a challenge coin um, to kind of test the waters to see how they would engage with me. And from time to time, they would send me emails and, you know, updates or impact reports or newsletters, which I thought was, uh, you know, was great. It was a great way to stay, you know, abreast to what was going on in the special forces regiment community. And um, really one day it just came across looking for our next president and CEO. Uh, so I, I looked at the, the job description once and kind of put my iPad down and for the next five nights uh, looked at it. And my wife finally turned to me uh, and said, I mean, are you going to apply for that job or what? Uh, Cause every <laughs> night you, you stare at it and read it for about, you know, 25, 30 minutes and you go to the website and you look back but when are you going to actually, you know, submit an application? And at the time, I thought that there was no chance. Uh, I figured, you know, such a, a small, unique community would likely want to hire one of their own within. Um, but after having the chance to meet the board and interview uh, through a pretty long and arduous process, 
um, and kind of really lay out my plan and the vision that I have for the for the foundation. The board was excited to, to extend the offer, and I was ecstatic to 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 accept the offer. So, um, started officially on seventeen uh, of April, twenty twenty three, and have never looked back. Yeah, what is it like being the leader for all these special forces and their families? Yeah. You know, I would say I I, um, I would classify myself more of as a collaborator. Uh, you know what what the men and women in, in the regiment and their families do each and every day to protect our freedoms and how they support you know the American people uh, and quite honestly our allies across the country um, and and across the world. Um, they're the true leaders. Uh, I like to think of myself as as a collaborator. We're there to support people through our our programs, um, and you know it's it's interesting. Our our organization supports both the military active duty space as well as the veteran population, which is unique. Not a lot of organizations do that. So we're servicing uh, individuals who served in the regiment uh, back in Vietnam all the way until present days, and everything in between it. Um, so I, I love to collaborate. It's one of the, the most rewarding things about the job. One of the most rewarding things, quite honestly, about being in a nonprofit career space is the the efforts that you get to uh, to, to go and, and kind of really take forward and bring new ideas to the table. Um, but it is a distinct honor to answer your question. Uh, these are incredible individuals uh, and their families are incredible people. Uh, and, you know, it's just a privilege and an honor and a very humbling experience to be able to work on behalf of the Green Beret Foundation and the Special Forces uh, community, because God knows they are truly special uh, in in a whole variety of ways, and we're we are there for them every step of the way. So, can you tell me a little bit about the foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting that the foundation was um, was founded in two thousand nine, and you know, we have a whole series of uh, programs. Uh, you know, obviously as a foundation, right, our, our business is to raise money uh, yeah. and our business is to raise money to then be able to make sure our programs and the vision that we have for our programs, in fact, become a reality. Um, so we have five specific kind of gold uh, standard programs that we offer. The first one is casualty support. Uh, that's for uh, individuals who are serving in active duty space when they're wounded while they're either deployed or while they're training. Um, you know, Special Forces is having never served myself, but having talked to now close to a thousand Green Berets, both active and veteran status, uh, they train uh, uh, as far to the edge as they can to replicate or to, uh, to create the most realistic scenarios uh, to ready them for their, their missions. Uh, so it's not uncommon for for Green Berets to get injured in training exercises, uh, as we've seen over the years, and most recently we've seen in other groups of uh, or special facets of, of the military where we've lost individuals' lives uh, in, in the course of training. Our casualty support program is, is to be there for the wounded Green Beret and, and their family. Um, and we support them financially in that process, as well as uh, individuals uh, getting a, a Go Ruck bag. Our, one of our board members, Jason McCarthy, is the founder and CEO of Go Ruck, former Green Beret. Um, and that has essential gear for temporary overnight stays at a hospital or a hotel for some period of time. And, you know, thankfully, 
you, you know, in this last year, we've not had a tremendous amount of casualty support requests. And I always say that's a good thing yeah. because that means guys aren't getting injured, you know, uh, in training or in combat um, and their families aren't having to go through that. Our next program is uh, health and wellness. And really that focuses in on supporting strength in mind, body and spirit, um, whether it be our uh, veterans, uh, the VA, the Veteran Administration's um, Next Ridgeline program that we we provide and, and support and guys transitioning out and to make sure that their rating, their disability rating is is reviewed appropriately and they get the right payment. Uh, in addition to that, we have an incredible family, the Marconzano family that supports us. Uh, through the establishment of Andy's Fund, which is really uh, our fund that focuses on mental health and suicide prevention and suicide awareness, helping guys to understand that if they're beginning to have suicidal ideations, that it's okay to reach out for help. Um, we're actively trying to break the stigma that uh, Green Berets or any service member for that matter has to remain or suffer in silence. Uh, we don't want them uh, to be suffering in silence. And quite frankly, we don't want them to be suffering at all. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a very significant, um, significant support system there, uh, through a lot of different programs. We have a lot of incredible partners that help guys get back on their feet, uh, power through some of the challenges that they may be having, whether it's substance abuse or alcohol abuse, uh, or, or mental health challenges such as suicidal ideations. Um, I was asked when I first joined, how do you measure success? Uh, if you had a two year or 20 year career path here, well, how would you measure success? And I, and I very honestly and candidly said, if I can save or prevent one guy from taking uh, his life, that's success yeah. to me. Uh, obviously, we hope it's way more than one. Uh, and we hope we get to a point where we put ourselves out of a job because uh, the support mechanisms are there and the DOD is hardwired that into their their cadre of, um, of programs and services. But until that time, if that time ever comes, uh, we will be there to support them in their their health and wellness aspects. Um, and, you know, really, um, Michael, the, the biggest challenge that I think we see is, is this post-GWAT era where we see a lot of TBI, uh, yeah. traumatic brain injury or uh, PTS, um, a lot of struggles with that. You know, we, we need to understand that it's the utmost importance of our cause to make sure guys heal correctly. Because if they can't be healed or they can't get the help that they need, they are never going to be able to transition successfully into the back into the civilian population. And we have a lot of veterans, a lot of guys that saw active duty combat uh, during GWAT um, and the global war on terror, yeah. uh, I think, is really just beginning to show the crux of what, you know, we as benevolent organizations will be supporting over the next 20 years. Uh, and that ranges anything from cancer to early onset dem dementia or Alzheimer's because of the, the traumatic brain injuries. So a lot of work to be done with that. And quite honestly, um, we are we are certainly headed in the right direction with a lot of positive partnerships, a lot of great uh, uh, synergies in the marketplace, as well as, you know, incredible families like the Marconzanos that are are supporting us uh, and raising money and, and other organizations that are raising money for us as well. Um, and then in addition to that, it's family support, right? And so family support yeah. is so critical. And I, I say, you know, there's the there's the forward operating group, those who deploy, and then there's the team that stays back behind here stateside. And that's an important critical part of the unit. Um, 
the community. And so we we recognize that we are there uh, in every possible way that we can be. And so a lot of that is like a network of networks. So for spouses, it's interconnecting other spouses so they can they can work through deployments or uh, PCSs, or they can just reach out to somebody who's who's maybe gone through a deployment, you know, with with her husband before or spouse, and not really knowing what questions to ask, or you know, maybe they're new to the area. So it's kind of that that network of networks for for spouses, and we call that Steel Mags. In addition to that, we have a whole uh, offering for scholarships. Scholarships is obviously a very important part of our uh, of our mission and our vision. Uh, and, and expanding and growing that is a critical part of, of my initiative and undertaking and, and what's, what I hope to achieve here at the foundation. In addition to that, uh, we have various awards and we also support mental health and wellness as well for the families. Uh, so it's not uncommon that you see children really struggling in, in certain areas of life. And if TRICARE or other aspects or there are resource shortages for those individuals' families, whether they're active duty or not, we will come to the aid to that family to the best of our abilities, and we will pull together a coalition to support people as well. Um, you know, I always say that, you know, the warfighter can't go off to war if things aren't settled at home to the best of their ability. And so we want to try to make sure that they know that we have their families back when they're downrange. And we mean that wholeheartedly. And, we'll, and that's why all of our programs are all interwoven to, into one another and they work as a cohesive unit. And that's that's exactly the force multiplier mindset that a Green Beret takes forward when they're embedding into indigenous populations or they're supporting um, our allies across the world um, is to be that force multiplier. So we, we take that same mentality and that same ethos forward in our work each day. And then the the last two really is it, it, one of the hardest ones to talk about is our Gold Star uh, and Surviving Families program, and those are for uh, those programs are there and intact for families when they lose their loved one in combat, uh, and it is one of those challenges that we see in combat or training that um, the special forces community or the brunt of casualties in the global war on terror as it related to uh, SOF. And, and, you know, it's it's because of the way our Green Berets fight and how they embed into indigenous populations. Um, but also, too, it's, it's because they push it to the limits um, and they are force multipliers themselves. Um, many people don't know this, but when a 12-man uh, ODA uh, comes together, they have the ability to split up into two groups of six. Uh, those two groups of six are a mighty and fierce fighting force and will oftentimes push the limits of their own abilities uh, and working with indigenous populations. We saw that in Afghanistan on countless occasions. Um, but because of that, they are off also the tip of the spear. And so we, we've talked about that at great length as a foundation. How can we be sure that we honor their legacy and what they've sacrificed for this country for people that they've never met before? Um, a lot of people don't understand why an individual would be willing to sign up and serve their, you know, our nation. And the reality is, is because our nation is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And they're willing to die for people that they've never met. They're willing to die for freedoms that they hold near and dear to their heart and that they know that we hold near and dear to our heart. And so in the effort to try to expand that, we want to make sure that the warfighter is well aware 
that when they go down range, that God forbid if the worst case scenario happens, that we're there to support their spouse and their children for the years to come. And just because that instance or that situation may occur, it doesn't mean that that family is no longer part of our community. We have an incredible former board member, Kristen Simpson Anderson, a gold star spouse herself. Um, she helps those families navigate those waters because you can imagine how challenging those waters yeah. are. We have another teammate, Bethany McDonald, also a gold star spouse, just an incredible human being. I mean, these are people who are bedrocks of our community that are still part of our community. Um, and the foundation supports those those families uh, to the best of our abilities. And if we can't do it, we'll become force multipliers ourselves and we find somebody to do it in and to help them as well. And then the last is the transition. I touched a little bit upon this, but really it's um, it's really an encompassing program called the Next Ridgeline program. And that helps the individual uh, Green Beret who's beginning to navigate their, their departure from active duty service and kind of figuring out what that next spark is or what that next uh, uh, team will look like. And what does that mean? So there's a whole process that goes along with it. There is what I mentioned earlier, the Veteran um, uh, Administration's, uh, what we call the VA Claims Analysis and, and Support and Advocacy. Our team of VSOs, our, our veteran service officers are actively working each day to help manage and facilitate those claims to make sure that gentlemen receive the best rating as possible. And the rating is articulated in a way that the person reviewing the claim on the, the back end of the VA understands it. Um, Green Berets are not uh, and have not um, been understood for some time. We see that and we saw that also too with conventional forces coming out of Vietnam where they were coming back and they weren't getting the ratings that they were supposed to from the veteran administration. And that was a challenge because those individuals fought for this country. They supported our rights and defended our constitution. And they weren't being they weren't being rated correctly. And that's what one of the things that makes our organization so unique. Our VSOs will go back and review those claims and those those ratings. And so most recently, you know, a, a veteran from the Vietnam era received a check of over a hundred thousand dollars in back pay. And now people say, wow, that's fantastic, right? And it is fantastic. I mean, we should celebrate that. But this is what I say to counter that. It's it's kind of ridiculous that that individual had to live for how many years post his service before he finally got that award, right? You know, how many times did that individual possibly struggle with bills in the wintertime or when the furnace went or sending his kid to college or maybe he lost his job because there were layoffs? There's countless examples of that. And so we as an organization, as a foundation, want to make sure that that doesn't continue to happen. That's why our team of men and women work so tirelessly to get those claims right. Um, we have incredible success with with that program, um, incredible success in relationships with the individuals at the VA, um, but our work is not even near complete in that area. And we are looking to expand that program into a new uh, program called the Next Ridgeline 2.0 that will marry the claims process with a full life evaluation, as well as a positioning life evaluation for the family units to figure out what you want your life to look like after service. It's a big change. And so we're gonna pull in partners and we've been securing partnerships and support for this program. And ultimately it will bring them through a new journey and a new course while they're waiting for their VA claim to say, this is what I wanna do. And we're gonna be a part of that so we can continue to check in because we, we firmly believe that if we can get transition right, we can likely put a massive dent in the risk of individuals' lives of taking their own life 
or going down a road of substance abuse and alcohol abuse because they can't find the right job or they're not happy in the right job. So we're going to work to make sure that they get the right job and that they feel fulfilled and they're enjoying their work. In addition to that, it's also to market to the entire corporate world. And I would say the call to action here is for people to start seeing individuals who come out of the regiment special forces as incredible candidates for incredible leadership positions. Most of these men are multilingual. They've been in multiple countries. They know how to travel well. They're light on their feet. It's it is it's a remarkable ability to be adaptable and, and overcome challenges. And we, we see this in the workforce today alone as it's challenge after challenge. And I say to the corporate community, who better to lead your division or your team or your company for that matter than a Green Beret because they've done it for their entire time in service. So that's kind of the foundation at a long-winded approach, uh, but uh, happy to chat a little bit more about it if you have any questions on it. Yeah, you said you've talked to people from Vietnam to active duty now. What is it like hearing their stories? Oh, it's it's um, it's inspiring. Um, you know, the the Green Berets have a, a, a mentality of being a quiet professional. Um, and, you know, it's it, but when you have the chance to sit down with them and talk with them and share a beer, you know, share a meal, it's remarkable the stories that they share. It's remarkable the things that they've overcome, the things that they've achieved in life uh, during service and then in life after service. Um it is, you know, I've always said that the the mark of a nation is how you treat your your elderly and how you treat your veteran population. And it's one of the reasons why I went into the nonprofit space, and it's why I spent so much time in hospice and palliative care, and it's why now I'm spending so much time in the military uh, veteran space. And they are even with the the challenges that they've had to surmount, oftentimes by themselves or with their families, to overcome challenges because the support systems haven't been the best in the past. Um, they are still proud Americans. They love their country. They love their family. Um, you know, it is, it's a remarkable generation, uh, whether it's the Vietnam era or all the way up through GWAT or those who are serving today. Um, it's, it's really just an honor to be able to say that I'm, I'm a collaborator within that community because those are individuals that are absolutely remarkable. Um, we were just at the Army Navy game. I was talking to a couple of them uh, who had served in the Vietnam era, and you know, we, we we were saying very casually that this is the this is the highlight of the nation, in my opinion, because it brings together multiple generations, yeah, and all people who have seen uh, the importance of what we as a country set out to do in 1776, and it was just so storied because it was the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. And, you know, I always say that it's a very small group of people that choose to go the special forces route in the army. And it was a, still the same small group of people who decided to get together in a tavern in Boston and talk about what could be if only they had enough courage to do it. And thankfully, those men did it in 1776. And thankfully, today, um, we're able to sleep at night because a select few of men and women are continuing to do it in a very specialized fashion. Right. We're not they, they are not conventional war fighters they're you know they're um unconventional war fighters living in unconventional times uh but you can rest easy to know that the green berets are there and uh they if you ever get a chance to sit down with one and talk and and hear their stories it's just absolutely remarkable so where do you want to see the foundation say in the next three to five years yeah 
You, you know, it, it's interesting. I get that question often. And, you know, I would say I would love to see it continue to operationalize and enhance our efficiencies yeah. and our effectiveness of being able to reach the communities. Um, you know, we have a lot of great work ahead of us. Um, I'd also say that the the times that are before us uh, are uncertain. We're, we're living in a little bit of a 1939 moment. You don't have to look far. It's kind of like look to your right or look to your left. And you know, you you kind of hope that either one of them doesn't doesn't really get out of out of control with the situation that's going on in the Middle East or the Indo-Pak region or Eastern Europe. I mean, whoever thought there'd be war in Europe again, uh, but there is. And so, you know, there's there's kind of a two prong approach that I take when I'm when I'm asked that question. I say, well, the forward thinking part of me says we have to prepare for the next conflict. So yeah. when it comes, because we have Green Berets deployed to, you know, multiple locations all over the world, um, they are oftentimes the tip of the spear. Um, you know, we have to be ready to, to answer that phone when that phone starts ringing because the next conflict has started. Um, the second part of that prong is, you know, we have to continue to get stronger and leaner and meaner on our ability to raise the, more capital to be able to uh, build and strengthen our current program offerings and future offerings, because we have a generation of veterans who served 20 years in GWAT, uh, young men who joined on uh, 18 x-ray contracts, who've now beginning to retire, um, still in great shape, still still in a fighting force shape, but want to move on in, in, in the next part of their career. And we have to be able to be ready to support them in whatever comes their way. Uh, and I think there's a lot of unknown, right? We see a tremendous amount of uh, SF guys dying from cancer, unacceptable. Yeah. We see a tremendous amount of guys dying from TBI, unacceptable. So as the foundation, the preeminent leader in the, the special forces space amongst benevolent organizations, we're going to start to tackle those issues and we're going to start to tackle them in 2024. How can people reach out and learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say uh, first start with greenberetfoundation.org. Uh, that's our website recently re redesigned, uh, just an awesome site packed full of information and great videos. Uh, we have an awesome social media following, uh, both on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Um, you find most of my stuff that I'm talking about on LinkedIn, obviously trying to broaden the, uh, the awareness of everyone, uh, in the corporate space about special forces and the Green Beret Foundation. And I'd also say, you know, shoot us an email, info at greenberryfoundation.org. Uh, or if you want to email me, charlie at greenberryfoundation.org. Uh, we are we are force multipliers ourselves, albeit in a different way than Green Berets. Uh, but we love to collaborate. We love to, to tell our story one-on-one. -on -one. We love to tell it to larger groups. Um, we have a lot of things to share, a lot of great stories of, of triumph uh, and victories, and, and some stories that unfortunately resulted in tragedy, but we're trying to take those tragedies and turn them into opportunities. Uh, you know, that's that's a that's another angle that we take too uh, when families come forward. Um, Kat Marcanzano, uh, Andy Marcanzano's mom is a perfect example of that. Uh, and, and his sister, um, Michelle, they, they work tirelessly to spread awareness and to share Andy's story and, 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 and trying to prevent that from ever happening again to another family or another Green Beret. Um, so reach out on any of our social channels, take a look at us. There's info, there's a message button on our website. Uh, we wanna hear from you. Um, we wanna tell you about why we're a worthy cause to support. Uh, and most importantly, we wanna share with you and, and the greater community 
about the incredible work and the incredible history of, of the special forces uh, community and, and those who continue to serve our great nation.